we approach the 2022 tax deadline, you may be wondering what, if anything, may have changed from last year's tax preparations. Or for new entrepreneurs, you may not know what to expect for your first tax preparation. For many business owners, the fear of making a mistake and not knowing about the rules and regulations or even potentially leaving money on the table are some of their top concerns. So, how can your business be prepared? In this episode, we'll give you five must-ask questions for your accountant this season. Welcome to HRpreneur, a podcast by ADP. This is Jim Duffy. Joining me today is Don Brolin. Don is a CPA and a certified fraud examiner and is the CEO of Powerful Accounting Incorporated. She's also the owner of Fight Against Fraud, a training organization dedicated to helping accounting professionals and small businesses optimize their operations and reduce their risk to fraud. Dawn, welcome to HRpreneur. Jim, thank you so much for having me. I'm really, really excited. You guys, this podcast is such a great informative podcast. I'm honored to be part of your program for sure. Thank you, Dawn. We're very, very pleased with it as well. So we're delighted to have you. Uh, so we're about two months from this year's April 18 tax deadline. So in preparation, what are some of the first questions a small business owner should ask their accountant? You know, Jim, one of the first questions I certainly think they should be asking is, hey, is my entity type appropriate for my business, right? So am I structured properly? Am I fully protected? Am I maximizing my opportunity for tax deductions and things like that? And so it's really important as you're a business owner and organizing your business that, you know, sometimes I find that a lot of these business owners go and set up their um, entities on their own and they come to me and really they're, they don't really classify themselves properly. So if you're a small business owner and you are looking, you know, to, to set an appointment up with your tax accountant, which by the way, you shouldn't be just during tax season. If you're in business, you should be talking to your preparer on a regular basis throughout the year uh, to take advantage of every single opportunity you can. But certainly, um, you know, entity selection is super important because it's, it is confusing, but it has legal and tax benefits to the various different types of entities that you can set up. Yeah, I'm sure. So let's dig in a little bit, uh, if you don't mind. So can you start, can you tell us a little bit about the most common business entities for freelancers and like the tax advantages and disadvantages of each? Yeah, sure. To start off, there, there's the sole proprietorship where you're just, it's really just you, it's your name, you're using your social security number, you're not really, you're a disregarded entity, you're not really an entity, you're just a sole proprietor. Uh, there's a lot of personal liability that happens through business activities, meaning if let's say somebody slips and falls or you break something at someone's office or whatever the case may be while you're conducting business, you are personally liable for everything there. And so it's really important to know that if you're doing freelancing full-time, let's just say you're doing it full-time, you've got a lot more exposure than maybe you did when you just started off as like a part-time, almost even a hobby, right? So as you grow and you plan to increase your business, you're going to have some exposure. Then we talk about, you know, from a tax perspective, a sole proprietor is going to pay 100% of self-employment tax um, as a sole proprietor, which basically means you're going to be paying 15% self-employment tax as a sole proprietor. Okay. So you're not protected. You're paying the most with the self-employment tax on top of income tax, right? So you're doing all these other things. But you're you're just not protected at all. Your income from your business is going to be reported on your personal tax return. So there's no separate business return. It's called a Schedule C, which is what you're going to file. 
but really you're you've got a lot of legal exposure okay now we can move to another entity type which which is called a single member llc it's still just you but you're organized as a limited liability company that's what llc stands for okay you're going to have still have the 15% but you're at least legally protected if you don't what they call pierce the corporate veil which is what the formation of an llc is going to give you this Think of it as an umbrella protecting you from rain. If there's a hole in your umbrella, it's going to rain through and you're going to get wet. So you've pierced the corporate veil, which basically means maybe you commingle your money. There's different ways that you can pierce the corporate veil, but it is still a pass-through entity. So basically, it's still going to be on your individual tax returns, going to be on your Schedule C. Now, as we move on to, to a little bit of a higher um, entity is something called an S corporation. Now, an S corporation is similar to an LLC where it does protect you from a business liability perspective, uh, from that financial perspective, right? So establishing an S corp is going to help you avoid paying that 15%. So you're going to set up an, an S corporation, you're going to be on payroll, you're going to have a W-2 if you want to go, you know, refinance your mortgage or you want to buy a car or some kind of financing, you're going to have a W-2. Where in our prior two entity structures, the single member LLC and the sole proprietor, you just have a tax return within your personal return. There's no real form. There's no W-2. So sometimes people find it trouble having to uh, refinance or to buy a car. But with an S-Corp, it's going to be another flow through, but you're not paying that 15%. You're going to get a salary. You'll be able to distribute you know, profits after that as well. But there's definitely some things from an S-Corp perspective. You've got to have some compliance. You have to do certain things, perform a certain way. For example, in an S-Corporation, you want to reimburse yourself for mileage. You literally will cut yourself a check. That's not a thing. We don't really cut checks anymore. But we would pay ourselves for mileage that we used for business purposes. If we have a home office, we get something called a home office deduction. You will literally pay yourself, in a sense, rent for your business that you're using within your home. And so it certainly is a little bit more complex, but I can tell you what's really important. S-Corps file a business return. So there's a separate business return, separate from your personal return. And so that's just another little piece of it, but it gets a little bit more complex. But really, it's not about the complexity that I want you to hear me about. It's about some of the tax implications of how you set up your entity structure and also the legal complications that may happen should you be a sole proprietor versus an LLC. And so I think that, you know, those are really important things to, to talk with your accountant about. That's an excellent explanation. And it's really interesting to, to see how each entity type you know, obviously offers its own advantages, but uh, some challenges you're, you're cautioning to, you know, to be very careful and, and attentive to. So thinking about the next question, um, entity aside, what's the next question a small business owner should ask their CPA? So really interesting because it, it really just slides real well from this last discussion about the entity structures because there's something called a qualified business deduction. It's called QBI, okay? And so this deduction, applies if you are a partnership, an S-corp, or a sole proprietorship. So basically what happens is on your tax return, you may be eligible for a 20% QBI deduction. So what that means is 
on your profits. So you'll get your income, 100 grand. We'll just use simple numbers. And then we have $50,000 of profit. So that's that flow through that's going to come onto your personal return. Okay. And what happens at that point is that net income at the end of the day can be reduced by 20%. So reducing your taxable income by 20%. And so you're going to want to talk to your accountant about that. And certainly as a business owner, you should be aware that that is such a thing. Okay. And so one of the rules is your total taxable income in 2021, for example, must be under $164,900 for single filers. So what that means is if you're a single person and your net income reaches or exceeds $164,900, you then become what we call phased out from that QBI deduction. Okay. So that's just an example. And so there may there are some limitations on it, but for those people who are, I would say, a smaller business, obviously with a flow through that's less than one hundred sixty four thousand, you'll be able to uh, take advantage of this deduction, and it really helps from that tax perspective. Now, there's some non qualified businesses um, in in these fields of health, law, accounting, actuarial. There's some other areas, but from a freelancer's perspective, you're not going to be worried about that. Now, also, just to keep in mind, the deduction is not based on the definition of business income, which people are mostly uh, are used to saying. It's not just that business net income, but it's qualified business income. And that's what I mean by having the phase outs and that it's actually qualified business income. And then certainly some there are some types of businesses we call specified service trade or business that are not eligible. So you want to have that conversation with your accountant to make sure you understand what the rules are and where do you fall in that conversation. Excellent. So I'm sure that that uh, 20% would make a huge difference to, to many uh, small business owners. So thinking more broadly, what else should the business owners consider asking their accountants? Yes, absolutely. This one, this one seems like an obvious question that you would ask, but you'd be shocked at how little clients will ask about business deductions in general. Have you captured everything that you're entitled to? Because at the end of the day, you're required to pay tax, right? But you're only required to pay the amount of tax that is really due. So if you're not capturing all of the deductions that are possible, um, you know, you miss those, you, you're going to pay more in tax than you actually should. So here's a great example. One is a met medical expenses, right? So the IRS allows you to deduct medical expenses. We know that, if, and it has to. There's a threshold, and don't get too worried about it. Just know that medical expenses are deductible. Well, they're on a Schedule A typically, but there's travel for medical care. So there's mileage that you can capture by driving to and from the doctor, to and from a hospital. So if you have a family member who's been significantly sick, that can be a big number. Okay, mileage on your car, bus fare, or parking fees. For, for those types of situations. A lot, of, a lot of times people don't think about that. There's also a deduction for volunteering for nonprofit organizations. There's a charitable deduction for mileage when it comes to that, okay? Another one that I find that's really obvious is for student loans. So if you have student loans from college, you can deduct loan interest up to $2,500. If your tax preparer doesn't know you have student loans, and you don't bring them the paper that you get at the end of the year, or if it's electronic, could be electronic, you could lose, the, there's about $2,500 is the maximum that you can deduct. 
You can deduct tuition and fees up to 4,000. And there's a lot of other technical things that we can talk about, but there's lifetime learning credits, American opportunity credits. So even if someone in your family takes a, a course, um, you know, a couple courses at the local community college, you just want to make sure when you're talking to your accountant that you're having conversations of maybe changes that have happened in your family and situations like that. You know, certainly the, the CARES Act, which was passed in 2020, has this new above the line charitable contribution so normally, when you donate to an organization, that goes on your Schedule A. It's called an itemized deduction. But we found, and we see so often, that because the standard deduction is so high now, um, it's just it's like $24,000, $25,000. If you don't have that amount of money in, a, in an itemized deduction at the end of the day, you lose those charitable contributions. Well, thank goodness for the CARES Act, because they say, hey, listen, tell you what, if you uh, don't itemize because the standard deduction is so high, okay, you will have up to $300 for individuals and $600 for, for taxpayers married filing joint are going to be going onto the front of the 1040. So basically saying, hey, if you've made a donation, you're single of $300 or more, we're at least going to give you that $300, even though you're not itemizing, which I think is a really cool uh, it's a little, it's a little bit of money. I'll take it. I'll fight you for a dollar in a parking lot, Jim, you and me. So, you know, so it's every little bit helps. And then this other one that I just wanted to mention, because I, I find when I see clients, uh, you know, they're self-employed, typically a lot of my clients are self-employed. Um, there's something called qualified retirement plans. They're tax deductible. There's uh, retirement savings contribution credits or savers credits, which allow you to claim up to 50% credit if certain qualifications are met based on income and age. But think about having a retirement program. Talk to your accountant. Should I put some money away in an IRA? Should I put money, do I qualify for a SEP plan where I can, I can put some money away there, which reduces my bottom line? So Really, it's about having a being interested in a conversation with your with your tax preparer is probably step number one. But that's the tax preparer is there to help guide you through the process, and so you've got to just open up your mind to what might be out there for you. These are these are great examples, Don. I mean, there are so many instances where lots of folks may inadvertently be leaving money on the table, and that's you know obviously in. As a business owner, you don't want to be doing that. So uh, really helpful. Uh, good to see this. So uh, what other questions would you recommend? Well, certainly, Jim, I think next, another piece that people need to think about is, and I don't know if people even know about this, is the employee retention credit. And so there's some guidance that, that may impact the 2021 business taxes. So you want to have that conversation with them. Uh, and there's certain qualifications that you have to, there's got to be so a 25% reduction in gross income. This is a, the, the employee retention credit is something that has really become forward because of the COVID pandemic. And, but it's a really good thing to talk to your accountant and say, hey, am I eligible for this? There's something called the ERC, if you want to just be, we'll use a, a code there. So you say, hey, and if you say to your accountant, hey, do, am I, do I qualify for the employee retention credit or the ERC? They're going to be like, wow, my, my, my client actually cares about what's going on. And they're listening to people out there, which can be good and bad. But ask your preparer, do I qualify for something like this? Because, again, it could, it could potentially impact positively your 2021 business taxes. So, again, another another great example. Um, so, Don, if you were to just 
give advice to, uh, you know, one more point you'd like to raise to a small business owner? What would you encourage them to speak with their accounting professional about? This is actually really key. It's probably the most important thing. Are there any tax moves or deductions or ways I can reduce my tax that I didn't do the year before? Now, I will say, like I said before, as a small business owner, you want to be talking to your tax preparer at least two or three times a year. Because when you come to them after the year is over, there are certain things we can't, we're done. We, the year has closed. The ball has dropped, right? So we can't just think in the moment of tax season and tax preparation to be making adjustments for 2021. But there are some things that you can do. But it's important for you to think about and take a look at, hey, did I pay a lot of tax last year or did I get a big refund? Listen, I tell people, if you, if you can come to zero, I had one client that came within 20 bucks. They got an $18 refund. We try to get them to zero. You know why? Wow. Yeah, it was, it was like everyone, there's a prize every year at Powerful Accounting for who gets closest to the bottom line of zero. That's great. In the Love tax <laughs> liability. So, you know, we want to say, hey, what adjustments do we need to make? And that's why it's really important for us to have these conversations through the year. The last thing I ever want to do is to make a phone call and say, hey, sorry, but you owe $200,000 in tax. Like that's not a phone call anybody wants to, to make or receive. So it's important to, to us as the preparers that you as the self-employed person communicate with us, talk to us, you know, keep us posted on what's happening with your business throughout the year and not just at the end of the tax season. And so, you know, we live, breathe tax so you don't have to, which is great, right? And we look to save you money as much as we can, but we need our small business owners to be more proactive in communicating with us rather than us chasing to communicate with a small business owner because that's really, really tough to do. So I would say at the end of the day, we want to save you money legally and mitigate your overall tax burden as much as possible, but we also need your participation in helping us do that. I think that's really important. Yeah, absolutely. It's got to start right there. Absolutely. Dawn, this is fantastic. Tremendous advice you know, all the right reasons to have these kind of conversations with your tax preparer. So I really appreciate your joining us today on HRpreneur and also lending your expertise. Uh, truly great advice. Uh, and I'd also like to thank our listeners uh, for joining us for today's episode. And if you want to learn more about Dawn, uh, please see the episode description for a link to her website. So thank you again all. Be well. Be well.